the fifth episode of Prop Season Butterbeer, a podcast about Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, and much more. I'm your host, Mira, and this week I'll be doing a chapter analysis for chapters 7 through 9 of The Lightning Thief, the first book in the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series. Okay, we. I just think we should just immediately start start off um, with with the chapter analysis because we have a lot to unpack. We, like we've captured the flag, um, we have a lot of exposition. Percy gets Percy um, gets a quest. So yeah, we're just gonna we're we're, <laughs> we're just gonna start um, with chapter seven. Which is my dinner goes up in flu in my dinner goes up in smoke, not flames. <laughs> so, um, so we start off right where we left off. So Percy is living in the bathrooms with Annabeth, and everybody's staring at them because Percy is completely dry. Meanwhile, Annabeth is soaking wet. So Percy also mentions that he had become one with the plumbing, and then he has a little chat with Annabeth. So Annabeth provides a lot of exposition in these, in these just like, in this like one page of one or two pages of dialogue, but it's it's really helpful. So first off, it's just gonna be like we're just hitting the bullet points of everything. So Annabeth briefly mentions the oracle and then never brings it up again, which is very Chiron of her to do, and. And then she also mentioned that this is the only place on Earth safe for people like us. And by us, she means demigods, which she literally has to explain to Percy because he still does not get it. And Percy asks her about her parents and she sort of tenses up. But she says that her dad is that, that her dad is a history professor at a college. And and she then says, you assume that men are the ones who fall in love with mortal women. That's sexist. Which, like, we can already tell Annabeth is very high-strung. So, yeah. Um, she also mentions that she also mentions that her mom is Athena, the goddess of wisdom, which is pretty obvious. Um, so he also learns that he's an undetermined, which she mentioned earlier, but he didn't really know what she meant by that. And, um, I, and then she also mentions that once you reach of age, uh, you get um. That's when monsters start to smell you, and that's when they'll come after you. And she also says that some people are some demigods are too dangerous, so they have to stay year round. But others, like Af- like children of Aphrodite or Demeter, they can like get actual jobs in the mortal world. And there have been some really famous demigods. So, I just want to mention, like, imagine how easy it would be to just like. Like, okay, imagine how, so, like, see, Percy does not spend year-round at camp, which, like, if people like Annabeth have to spend year-round at camp, Percy should definitely have to spend year-round at camp, and I'm surprised. Like, Annabeth said there were so many monster attacks when she went home. I'm surprised that, I mean, also, to be fair, like, she lives right next to Mount Othire? I don't know. I don't know. She lives right next to Titan headquarters, so that could be one thing. 
But also, um, just the fact that Percy, how does Percy just get like one attack a year at the very end of the year so he, just, so he can finish up school? That is just giving me like the same Hogwarts vibes of Voldemort. It's like, hey, no, nobody attack. No, nobody can attack Hogwarts. Nobody can attack them until until he finishes this finishes the school year until the very end of the school year education is important of course you have the chamber of secrets but like he really only attacks the very end it's just like mind games you know uh but anyways so also kill them when they're babies easy simple okay i mean i guess there's like the whole smell but like still still that's just an excuse monsters need to step up the game so anyways they need to. They need to step. They need to step up to Voldemort's level, just like kill them when they're babies. Of course, that did backfire. But like, you know, it's a fifty-fifty chance. <laughs> you could either you you could either turn into a husk of your former self and have to cl- and and have to literally feed off of another person to survive, and or you could just kill the baby. I don't know. Anyways, so. Uh, the Annabeth also mentions that Annabeth also mentions that uh, monsters cannot come come into camp because there's a border surrounding the entire camp that keeps them out, and this also keeps out mortals as well, and and it basically protects the um camp off blood from the mortal world, so nobody can see it. Which I mean, would they just like? Does that mean mortals? Like, what if somebody's like on a on a hiking trail? Will they just walk straight through camps? Then everybody will see this random mortal just like taking a hike through the camp, but the mortal won't see anybody because it just looks like a regular forest to, to them. I don't know. Okay. Anyways, so she, so Percy even thinks to himself, why would somebody want to summon a monster inside the camp? Because you can because monsters can come into the camp if somebody from the inside summons them. Percy's like wondering that why would somebody do that? I wonder why, Percy. I wonder, I wonder who would do something like that? Who would do something that vile, that atrocious? I wonder who. So, anyways, uh Annabeth also mentioned that something is wrong with Olympus. Uh she doesn't know what, but she do, does know that something was stolen because of a field trip that the camp took to Mount Olympus, which, like, they get field trips to Mount Olympus? What? They can't claim their kids, though. That's, no, they can't do that. No, but field trips to Mount Olympus. Fine. It's fine. So, then after all of that, he heads back to his cabin after Annabeth says, okay, it's time for dinner now, and then sprints off, even though it's, like, literally half an hour before dinner. (laughs) And so he heads back to his cabin and waits for dinner. And there we get more exposition from Luke. Not as much as Annabeth or Grover in the later chapters, but we still get a little bit. So he talks to Luke and Luke says that he doesn't really like his dad um, because he only visited him once, which we do know that number changes later, but it's sort of iffy, but I guess it's once. Um, but anyways, uh Luke also mentions his quest to the Garden of Hesperides, which right before this, right before this, I checked this, I checked to see that how it was pronounced because I felt that I was spelling, saying it right, and I was right. So, uh, the one Greek word that I will not butcher this entire podcast. Um, <laughs> so the Garden of Hesperides, and and um, it didn't really go that well. So Annabeth is. 
Annabeth, she also mentioned that Annabeth is waiting for the chosen one because, um, because she kept on pestering Chiron for a quest, and then finally he snapped and said that she had to wait for somebody to come along, and then she would be able to. Oh my god, um, then she'd be able to, then she would be able to do that, uh, basically go on a quest, and, and yeah, so basically, um. He so basically after that the um the whole horn conch horn, I don't know what that is it it rings or whatever I don't know and it's time for lunch I mean sorry dinner so it's time for dinner um and basically and basically what happens is what happens is that they are okay so. Oh my goodness. Why? I'm just staring at the window, getting distracted, random stuff. Anyways, um, so, so basically, uh, I just have to, like, look through my notes, because I just got so distracted by some random dog outside. Uh, anyways, so he, so, so they go to dinner, and they sit down, and we get a quick description of the dining pavilion, and I just want to point out, why do all the kids of the gods look so stereotypical? It's, it's like, I, I just, it's, okay, I'll mention Aphrodite a bit later, but like, the Hephaestus kids were covered in soot from working the forges, like, the Athena kids are called smart and athletic and blonde and gray-eyed, like, oh, do, do they get, like, no genes from their parents? Like, oh, I mean, from their mortal parents, they get no, it's just only, or just Athena, I'm pretty sure I remember Athena having brown hair. I don't know. In every, like, pop culture, whatever, Greek mythology thing, Athena always has brown hair. So, I mean, does she only date blonde people? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. um, So, uh, Percy's about to dig into his food when he sees everybody else standing up and going to a fire. And he's like, what are they doing? And he follows them. And he also said they're offering a portion of their food to the gods just like put it in the fire and it's the not just any portion the best portion which like okay i guess and and base and um i'm just wondering why do the guys need this and percy's wondering that too and so we're both confused about that i guess uh and then next and then so dionysus does a little announcement thing uh like he's just reading off a newsletter so it's like next capture the flag is friday cabin five is one so far which is aries cabin there's a campfire and a sing-along oh wait before that dionysus also says there's a new camper peter johnson round of applause round of applause for dionysus anyways so uh there is a campfire and a sing-along, and F- Percy is finally starting to feel at home. And the last sentence in Rick, Uncle Rick fashion is very ominous, and it is, I wish I had known how briefly I'd get to enjoy my new home. So yeah, now we're moving on to chapter 8. And we I might be rushing these chapters a little bit, because there's a lot of content, and, content and, and we don't want this to be an hour-long episode. We really don't. My voice wouldn't be able to handle that either. <laughs> um, so next chapter is chapter eight. We capture a flag. So basically, you can already tell my voice is... <laughs> I 
I literally just drank water before this, but for some reason my voice just can't handle more than 15 minutes of speaking. Um, so anyways, Percy settles into routine, into a routine, Annabeth teaches him ancient Greek, he learns different classes from, you know, different, he just learns different classes, wow, I can't talk, um, so he just learns different classes, and they're also trying to find something that he's good at, so, so far he's not good at foot racing, uh, he's not good at music, he's not good at archery, the only thing he is good at is canoeing, which I feel like is kind of like a dead giveaway, but anyways, um, so, uh, he also starts to understand Luke's resentment because his father still hasn't claimed him and he's still a bit upset about that. He also starts sword fighting and Luke teaches the, his, his sword fighting class and, um, and yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, L- Luke is, um, Luke is 19. Luke is 19. I just thought that would, uh, did I, I don't know if I mentioned that in the previous chapters, Luke is 19. Just thought that's important. Um, any, and, oh, by the way, Percy and Annabeth are 12. Just thought that's important. Anyways, so, um, basically, so, so basically, uh, Luke, so Luke teaches sword fighting class, and uh, he he's in a class right then, and he also mentions that he can't find the right blade. All the blades are unbalanced, and none of them work. So he can't really be as good as a um, sword fighter as if he were with a balanced sword. So Luke is putting everybody into pairs, and he's like, "Hey Percy, you're with me." And he's like, "Oh, great! I'm just gonna just gonna be beaten by Luke, and it's, this is not gonna be fun." And he does. He is he, Luke is really good at sword fighting, and Percy is really bad at sword fighting. So then Luke calls for a break, and while they're near the water coolers, he takes a cu- cup of water and pours it on his head. Um, and Percy thinks it's such a good idea that he pours ice water on his head too. And suddenly he feels a surge of energy and like adrenaline or whatever. And then, and then they head back and, and then they head back to fighting and Luke, um, volunteers Percy as a demonstration. So Percy's like, oh, great. This is, this is just, this is just great. So, um, and he's like, okay, we're going to demonstrate a disarming tactic. And he's, and he shows it in slow motion. And he's like, okay, now we're going to actually do it. And then they and then they um, do the disarming trick. And Percy actually manages to defend himself. He feels a surge of energy. He's like, oh my gosh, I, I could actually fight now. And then you, he also mentions that Luke increasingly get, seems to get increasingly more and more frustrated um, the longer Percy keeps up keeps his guard up and knows to be able to do that. And eventually, Percy beats him. Percy knocks his sword out of his, out of his hand. He uses the disarming trick, and Luke is so impressed. He's like, oh my god, that's so cool. Do that again. And Percy's like, oh my god, how do I do that? And then he does it again, and he fails immediately. So, so um, so everybody dismisses it as beginner's luck, and then, and then we fast forward to when he's chatting with Grover, and Grover gives more exposition, which is amazing. So, Grover, so basically, Grover tells him that he's still in trouble. He's basically kind of like on probation for Mister D, and Mister D said that the only way he can either like continue his like get his searcher's license or continue on the path to a searcher's license is if Percy got a quest and he accompanied him on that quest and they both came back alive so and Grover's like that's never gonna happen you're basically saying you're no one special your 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 parent is important it's probably not gonna happen Uh, (laughs) well I'm making Grover come off as a lot meaner than he actually is I don't know um so anyways 
Grover, uh, Percy asks Grover about the empty cabins, then he basically explains those, and when he gets to Hera, he says the funniest thing, he says, she doesn't go around having kids, that's her husband's job, which, like, I live for sassy Grover, he's amazing, anyways, so, uh, Grover explains the big three pact, um, when Percy asks about the, you know, the big three cabins and why they don't have any kids, um, and he explains that, so basically, the big three, what the big three pact is, is that after World War II, the, um, the, uh, the big three came together and they were like, okay, we cannot have any more kids because our kids literally started World War II. So, yeah, we cannot have any more kids. And, uh, which, by the way, he mentions that um, Zeus and Poseidon were on the winning side, which means they were, um, they were, uh, they were on the allies which means Hitler was on, so Hitler, Hitler was, um, Hades' child, that's what I'm saying, okay, anyways, which is, like, okay, (laughs) a a bit, mm, I don't really, I don't really know what to make of that, but anyways, so Grover then mentions Talia, saying that, um, only Zeus ended up breaking the pact, which, like, we know that's not true, but, you know, so, uh, Talia was a almost camper i mean she didn't i wish she was actually a camper she was an almost camper really so so exeter was in charge of escorting her and two of the demigods demigods she had befriended along the way back to camp and um when hades found out that talio existed you know because um zeus broke the pact he was really mad so he sent monsters after talia um even though it wasn't even her fault and that and then they and then and then they made it to camp, but Talia stayed behind to defend the camp, and she ended up dying. And I just want to point this out. So Hercules, son of Zeus, demigod, dies, get almost dies, gets to become a god. Dionysus, son of Zeus, demigod, almost dies, gets to become a god. Talia, daughter of Zeus, almost dies, becomes a tree. And um, Zeus also creates a border around the camp to protect it, you know. Uh... So then it's it's time for capture the flag and they head to dining pavilion. So <laughs> so um basically Percy's talking to Luke again and he mentions that the scar almost made him look evil look made him look almost evil, which like foreshadowing like <laughs> and uh then the the leading captains are introduced, Ares and Athena, pretty obvious. Uh and then he mentions the two sides. He he is on Athena's side at the Hermes cabin and Hermes and Apollo cabins are on their side and and everybody else is on um Everybody else is on the Aries side. And that includes Aphrodite. And Percy mentions, I was not worried about the Aphrodite cabin. All they wanted to do was look at their reflection in the lake and gossip. Which, like... I, I'm, I, uh, okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go on a tangent about this. I'm not gonna go on a tangent about this. But I just... Why? Why, though? I just... Okay. So... I'm just yeah this in my notes i literally just wrote this is dangerous like yeah it is dangerous it's very dangerous and Kyron is just like no miming no killing here's here's armor and weapons you go out into the woods monster infested woods so um and about this like okay i want you to stay by the creek and guard the creek and he's like fine he's like oh i'm missing all the action and then he hears a growling a low growling and he's like what was that and then it suddenly disappears and clarice and her siblings 
siblings like jump at her like ah we're gonna kill you um and uh and basically Clarice also has an electric spear uh so that that's pretty painful and they're all bu- they're all bullying him not bullying him they're literally maiming him they cut him he almost died and then but luckily they push him into the river into the creek and he suddenly gets his this like wave of strength and he's like oh my god i could i could i can defeat all these people and he does he he defeats them all and then luke runs out of the woods with and then luke luke runs out of the woods with the Ares flag and they have one captured flag and then annabeth and then he realizes that annabeth set him up and was there the whole time and then that's what and then annabeth actually knows who his godly parent is and and that is when that's when there's a, the low growling comes again and then a hellhound just like runs out of the woods and attacks him and almost kills him again the second time he's getting almost killed in like five minutes and then they luckily shoot him down and then and it's like hey get in the creek and percy's like okay fine uh and then all his wounds start to heal and everybody's like oh my god what is that and that's like see see uh, like as if she's trying to prove something and, and but Percy's like oh my god I'm so sorry I don't know what's happening and then and then he realizes that everybody isn't staring at his healing wounds they're staring at something else and they are staring at his at his forehead because it because there is a floating trident the enveloped in in sea green mist the symbol of Poseidon, and he has just gotten claimed. This is real. This is not a drill. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, um, again, we're just gonna have to like, uh, just hit all the bullet points like really quickly because there chapter nine is probably one of the longest. So we move on to chapter nine. I am offered a quest. So he's moved into cabin three and he's all alone again and he's really sad and everybody's scared of him. So he has to do um, training, sort of fighting alone and one-on-one with Luke. And, but he starts, Annabeth gets a lot more distant and then someone, but he still still doesn't know that people hate him. And some people hate him because someone leaves him a newspaper. Which is like, I just... I'm so mad at whoever sent this poor boy, left this poor, poor boy a newspaper in his, in his cabin like that. He did not need that. Anyways, the newspaper is, it shows, um, it's talking about like the, a missing case of Sally Jackson and her son, Percy. And Gabe makes an appearance in that. And he said, and apparently he said that it, Percy has always been trouble and he wouldn't like, he wouldn't be surprised if something if Percy had anything to do with all of this. So, anyways, Percy goes to sleep and he has another dream. And this one is like the same one he had, except it's two men fighting. And one of them is yelling, Give it back, give it back, like toddlers. And there's also a voice from the same voice from underground, except now he's speaking directly to Percy. And he's saying, Come down, come down. And then the and then the ground opens up below him and he falls in darkness and he wakes up. Yeah, so then he hears a knock on his door, so he goes to open it and, and go over there, and he says that Mr. D wants to see him, so he so he gets dressed, and he heads to the big house, and Mr. D is says that Chiron wants him to do something, and then he leaves for a meeting on Mount Olympus, which, like, really, Chiron wanted to see him, not Mr. D. So, anyways, Chiron then offers him a quest, and then he really, and 
and he realizes that Zeus and Poseidon are the ones fighting over something stolen. And he find, and Zeus thinks that Poseidon convinced convinced Percy to steal Zeus's master bolt. And uh, and Chiron says that Percy has to find the bolt as like you know like I don't know what like. Something about bridges, I don't know. Anyways, Chiron tells him to go to the attic to visit the Oracle so then he can get his prophecy. So it's like, okay, great. So he goes up to the attic and he finds a mummy. And she's dressed in tie-dye, which, like, good for her. And she then tells him a prophecy, except it it's told by Gabe and his poker friends. And the prophecy, which, by the way, I've memorized for some reason is you shall go west and face the god who has turned you shall find what was stolen see it safely returned you shall be betrayed by one who calls you a friend and you shall fail to save what matters most in the end so percy is like percy is really concerned about the last two lines but he goes back down and then and then um Chiron is like what did what did he, what did the oracle say and he's like uh he just says the first two lines and but he loses at the last two, and Chiron's like, "That's it." And Percy's like, "Yep, that's it." And Chiron knows there's more, but he doesn't push. And, and then basically after that, Chiron says that Hades is the god of the West, which like obviously, I mean, Hades is obviously he's the god of the underworld. He's definitely evil. Like he would he would want that. He wants to deal with more dead people. <laughs> yeah, I just their take on Hades just. Okay, I guess. And Grover is really nervous because he's like, oh my god, underground, uh, no. And Percy's like, hey, if you don't want to come, you don't have to. Grover's like, no, I want to come. And he's like, okay, great. So I want Grover to come with me. And um, I also want to take the quest. Uh, and and then and then uh, Chiron is, and he's like, okay, we can just take a plane to, where is, where is this? I think like Los Angeles. Los Angeles, I don't know. Uh, and Karen's like, uh, no, you can't take a plane. Zeus will shoot you out of the sky, even though you're trying to get his bolt for him. Yeah. Well, uh, so he's like, okay, we'll just like go by car or whatever. I don't know. And they're like, okay, cool. We can take you as far as like I don't know, bus station or something, whatever. And uh, Chiron is like, okay. Um, and then Chiron's like, okay. Uh. Before you go, uh, we you need a third person, and if somebody has already volunteered themselves, herself, if you will take her, and Percy's like, gee, I wonder who'd be that stupid to do that, and of course it's Annabeth, and she's like, uh, like shut up, seaweed brain or something, <laughs> and then you can tell that I did not, I did not write down any quotes whatsoever, just like, <laughs> yeah, and he's like. And and then she says the most, and he's like, okay. And he also calls her wise girl, and it's cute. Um, and then and then she says the most like pretentious, like the most pretentious, precocious, pretentious. I think it's pretentious. I don't know. He says the most pre- She says the most pretentious thing a twelve year old could ever say. Just like Athena is no fan of Poseidon, but uh, but I guess we'll have to get along. Like, our parents are n- are not fans of each other, but I guess we'll have to get along. Like, that's such a 12-year-old thing to say. It's so, it's so funny. But anyways, uh, then after that, they go get packed, and that is the end of the chapter. And, <laughs> yeah. So, basically, um, I, I really sped that up, so it only took, like, six minutes, but it was a lot longer. <laughs> anyways, so... That's all that's covered here. Um, that that's all that's covered here, and uh, just. Uh.
my god and um that's all for this week uh come back next monday when i analyze chapters 10 10 through 12 i think that's oh my god wow i am very unprepared for this anyways um come back next monday when i analyze chapters 10 through 12 of the lightning thief thanks for listening bye Thank you so much for listening to Prophecies and Butterbeer. Prophecies and Butterbeer is produced by Howler Studios and Mira. Our producer and sound engineer is Chris Hartman, and our host is Mira Fox. For more information about this podcast, head to our website, howlerstudios.org. Thank you.